we're at the end of a series where we've been talking about walking in love. We'll start another series next week. And I want you to kind of, if you will, uh, in fact, we're, we'll be more than one week in Luke 14. So if you'd read that good chapter this coming week, that's where we'll start on kind of a new series next week. But, but um, today I get to talk about one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Um, this one I've been living with for a couple of weeks, and, um, and, and it, it's a passage that has gripped my heart for years and years. And uh, anyway, Matthew 25 is, is really important to me, um, and I hope it will be to you. You know where, um, anybody got your VCR set for, uh, your DVR set for the Oscars tonight? God, I love that reaction. I'm not even looking up. Um, it, isn't it interesting that, that they've had to impose a, a time limit because of all the people that have an ax to grind it, they'll all have an, every one of them will have an axe to grind. And uh, um, anyway, uh, it would just be interesting to, to see. Isn't it interesting how young people want to tell us how to do social justice? I think that's very interesting. Uh, I talked to a couple of them this week and I said, okay, tell me, before I wrote this opening paragraph, I said, does this sound about right? And yeah, you know, B but the issue is, I think, the issue is, not much about blaming everybody about injustices. But the issue is helping those who have suffered that injustice. And the church has been, the church can take some lumps too. I understand that. But there would be no such thing as social justice without the church of Jesus. Do you know that? Um, so many things that have, that have been good about our world in the last uh, 20 centuries are because of the name of Jesus and people doing things just in the name of Jesus. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. Um, it's going to be the final week of Jesus' ministry, uh, the days leading up to his crucifixion. I've been reading some, some things in my quiet time lately about that, uh, that last eight days. Um, uh, Palm Sunday is recorded on in all four of the Gospels, traditionally called the triumphal entry, and it begins this thing that we call, we've begun to call Passion Week or Holy Week. Interestingly, in all the Gospels, this eight-day period between the triumphal entry and Resurrection Sunday, um, it comprises a large part of all four Gospels. 36% of Matthew, 37% of Mark, 28% of Luke, 44% of John is covering that last eight days of Jesus ministry, his walk here on the earth, which I, I find that really, really intriguing. Um, it's, it's interestingly, when you, interesting about that, when you contrast uh, how much the rest of Jesus' 33 years is covered, that we would cover this much in the, in the last eight days of his, his earthly walk. Um, uh, someone has said that the gospel authors, their accounts of Passion Week, uh, that, um, are the story they dearly want to tell and everything else is a prelude. Now, I think that's an overstatement, but I think that's very interesting that they really want to tell what happened leading up to and including the cross and the resurrection. Now, I say that to say that we think that this chapter, actually 24 and 25, um, are this huge block of teaching that comes from Tuesday of the original Holy Week. 
Um, we believe that the disciples are gathered on the Mount of Olives uh, during that time. And D Jesus says this huge and very important teaching during that time known as, here you can wow your friends, as the Mount Olivet Discourse, okay? Matthew 24 and 25. Now you can say, well, I was, I was reflecting on the Mount on the Mount Olivet on the Olivet Discourse, and you know you can wow everybody. But um, now, what I want you to know as we get into this is uh, Jesus talks about a lot of things in this chapter. He's going to talk about the destruction of Jerusalem. He's going to talk about the end of time. But here, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's sometimes known as the Great White Throne Judgment. And before you start shaking in your boots, this is going to turn out good for y'all. Okay. Going to turn out really well. Uh, okay, so don't get don't get too nervous. Uh, we'll talk about the, the um, that issue here. Um, it is not, I don't believe, a parable. Okay, for one thing, he doesn't it doesn't isn't prefaced by saying this is a parable. Uh, it is it is not framed about being the kingdom of heaven is like this. Okay, so that's kind of a tip off to a parable. What we believe, Dan, you said it. This is not a made-up story to illustrate Jesus' teaching. This is about future events that are going to take place. That makes them really, really important, I think. Okay, so it's Jesus on the Tuesday before he's crucified on Friday saying, I got some stuff that's really important for you guys to deal with. Okay, and he tells this story, but it's a story about a future event. It's not a parable. Okay, now, Father Blair are, are you tuned up? You, you've been me, me, me in this morning. You ready to go? Okay. Uh, if you would start at verse 31 from chapter 25 and read 30, down to 33. Okay. I put you in, on the spot. I know you're back there looking at your phone Bible, and uh, I love to hear a guy's accent from St. Louis just occasionally, okay? Would you get, find um, Daniel 7, 13? I'm going to have you read that in just a minute. Would you mind? I put him on the spot. I won't do that to anybody else that's not my friend. And by the way, um, uh, and we might, we might, he may not be my friend after this, you know, after I did that to him. So, well, now, what? Look at this. Now, what, what I want to ask here is, as Steve began to read, what do you see in verse 31? What do you see? What's the picture? Somebody's sitting on a throne. It's in heaven. The angels are there. Get that picture. It's, it's a throne room. It is a heavenly throne room, the throne room of the universe. Somebody's sitting on it. And we got to identify who's sitting on it because it's all important. Now, the term that's used here is what for the one sitting on the throne? Son of man. Now, that's interesting because a lot of people will, will say, well, that's a term that Jesus used to describe himself uh, in his humanity. That's uh, only kind of partially right. Okay. Now, what I want you to do, let's go back because Jesus really loved this term about himself. I put several references here from the book of Matthew. Let's go to 9, 6, okay? And he's going to call himself the Son of Man. So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, get up your, uh, 
get up, pick up your bed, and go uh, home. Okay? So he calls himself that. Look at 1613. All right? Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do the people say that the capital son of man, you see that, is? All right? Let's go to 2018, Matthew 2018. This is a common thing in the book of, in the uh, Gospel of Matthew. Just as, um, what did I say, 2018. Okay, here we go. Um, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Now, this isn't just a term that Jesus coined to describe himself, okay? It is through the Old Testament, and it's predictive. Mark, would you go back to the prophet Daniel and read 7.13? So Daniel says, there is one coming that he calls the Son of Man. This is a clear Messiah reference, messianic reference, messianic reference. So when Jesus uses this term to describe himself, he's not saying, uh, behold my humanity. He's saying, I am he. Capital H, I am he. All right? Now, according to what Jesus is telling us in Matthew 25, there will be one sitting on that throne of judgment. Who will it be? The son of man. He, identify, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, I will sit on the throne, but he uses third person here to kind of describe it, and you and I have got to kind of catch that. Now, isn't it interesting that sometimes we'll watch uh, an athletic event and a bad call is made, and we'll want to say, hey, i got to do a little bit better job of judging this stuff. Um, you'll read in the paper tomorrow, if you don't watch the Oscar show tonight, you'll read about, the, 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 you know, who knows what criteria they use to choose this stuff. Who knows? I, I got my suspicions, all right? But it, the judgment is not exactly righteous, is it? That's, that's a judgmental thing for me to say, sorry. But what I got to deal with here in verse 31 is that the one sitting on the throne is the only one ever who's in the proper position to make the kind of judgment that's going to be made. I can trust him. You can trust him. He's the son of man, the Messiah, the one who died for your sins. He says, one of these days, I'm coming back and I'm going to sit on this throne and make judgment. Now, you've got to kind of understand here, this is a clear reference to himself on a seat of judgment or uh, from uh, the Old Testament, the idea of a bema or bema, the seat of judgment. Now, if, as you looked at verse 32 and 33, as, uh, as Steve was reading, who are gathered here? Okay, now I've got to drill down on this a little bit. All the nations will be gathered. Okay, follow me here. This is going to sound a little political, but follow me. South Korea will be there, but North Korea will be there too. Iran will be there. China. The U, not just the U.S. and Western Europe. You catching this? All nations. Um, I could run some references for you with this, but they're going to be there. 
And um, the, the judge that is identified here in verse 32, uh, that we identified in verse 31, but all the nations began for, and he, capital H, will separate them. He's going to put one group on the right and one group on the left. So he, this group is the sheep, and this group is the goats. Now, now, by the way, I'll, I'll fix this in a minute, okay? So hang with me. But if, if there's this sea of humanity from all throughout time, then Jesus is going to say, sheep over here, goats over here. Now, my question is, somebody run to John 10, verse 11. Who would read that? John 10, verse 11. Um, what does Jesus know about animal husbandry? Okay, I mean, you know, I, I watched a thing on some cow, I've got, cowboy thing the other day and they were training little cowboys and they do a thing for little cowboys called mutton busting hey, John they mutton bust in Wichita Falls uh, uh, okay it's, it's little kids little kids who want to be bull riders and they put them on the back of a sheep or a goat uh, and they call it mutton busting it was the cutest thing ever they had helmets on and they're on a sheep I remember when our grandpa would, about this time of year, he bought a goat every year or a couple of goats, this time every year, because his blood was weak and he thought goat's milk helped him, and it probably did. My dad had to milk the silly thing on the way to church often to get it to paw, but, but what I remember is occasionally at the farm, we'd try to ride a goat. That didn't ever work out real well for me, Okay. I don't know much about goats except that. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus identifies himself in a way that makes me think he knows exactly what he's talking about. Who's got John 10 verse, Cindy? John 10 verse 11. He identifies himself in what way? I am the good shepherd. Would the good shepherd know the difference between a sheep and a goat? I think so. I think so. So, the gathered people here are all of humanity divided into two groups, the sheep and the goats on the left. And I think he knows all about that. Now, let's go down to verse 34. I want somebody, if you will. John, you're over there. Would you read 34 down through 40? It's, it's just wonderful and beautiful. Now, what you've got to catch here is that Jesus has, the, the Son of Man here, the righteous judge, has divided this group of humanity, and now he turns to the right. And I, in my own sanctified imagination, I see him smiling as he looks right. Listen to Psalm 96.10. He's unique to be able to do this. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. The righteous judge, the equitable judge. I don't have to worry about, uh, wait a minute, we need an instant replay on that. Let's look at it again. Let's vote whether or not the, the judgment is right. It will be the right estimate. And he turns to those on his right and he says two things. Okay. The things that 
I live every day hoping to hear. He says, come. <laughs> come. Now, by the way, in a minute, you're going to see another reaction. And that come here is going to be really, really important. Uh, he, he says, come. And the second thing he says is, you are blessed. Now, what I realized as I was talking to my father-in-law yesterday, we were talking about 1976, Christmas of 1976 when I first met all these people, and, um, and I realized that I had no basis to walk into his living room and say, I demand your daughter. She's been with me now for 42 years since then. And I recognize as I'm hanging out with these people this weekend that I am not worthy. I am blessed. I'm blessed to have the family that I have. I'm blessed to get to live with the girl that I live with. I'm blessed that this guy who's carrying a gun most of the time didn't point one at me and say, there's the door. I am blessed. So the, the Lord is going to say here, He's not going to say, come, follow me here, gang, because this is tricky in this chapter. He's not going to say, come, you have earned this. He says, come, you're blessed. Okay? Now, I want to drill down on that in a minute, but I want you to catch that for just a minute. Now, so the group on the right is dressed first, and they're invited to come into blessing. And so he speaks over this right-hand group. He speaks a verdict, but it's expressed in personal terms. He's going to use I. I, I saw you. Uh, you. You catch that? Um, there are six kindnesses that are mentioned here. They're acts of justice, acts of compassion. What I'm talking about today is that uh, we've been talking through this whole series about walking in love. Here I'm talking about there's a part of my life that's got to be defined by walking in compassion. Doing the right thing one act at a time, one person at a time, one day at a time. And he's going to call this group out and say, come, you are blessed. And he's going to say, I had a need and you met it. Now, if you read verse 37, 38, and 39, there's an interesting reaction when the righteous, when the, when the sheep who are being blessed, when, when they hear this pronouncement from the Son of Man, from the righteous judge, what's their pushback? When? Put that, put that in, your, in your blank. But, you know, I've, I've got a nine-year-old um, granddaughter. It's funny. And uh, when I'm teasing her about something she knows I'm teasing her about, she'll say, what? <laughs> what? I can imagine the gathered humanity saying, when? What? What are you talking about? Isn't it interesting how humble this group is? Lord, I, I have no recollection of that. <laughs> and, and in this continually personable, 
personal thing. He says, yeah, you did it. Now, look at verse 40 again. I'm going to get back to it here. Look at verse 40 again that John read. Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these, even the least of them, brothers of mine, you did it to me. Very, very personal here. Not you did it. It's much more personal than that. It is something akin to, I want you to know that I've watched you and your heart is like mine. Because that's what he did. He cared for you. He cared for me. He cared. When I, when I read the Gospels, I think, why did he heal? I can understand why he preached. I can understand why he taught. Because he had a lot to get done in three, in three years. But he was constantly stopping off changing somebody's life. It's because that's what his heart is like. Uh, so the idea here is not that he says, hey, you did it. It's much more personal than that. He's saying your heart is like mine. There is no sense when you did this that you were trying to curry favor. There was no sense that you were saying, Lord, watch me do this. Because remember in the story, those who did those things said, Lord, when did I do that? What? No currying favor here. You just did the right thing. Okay, now, bad as I hate to, we've got to go to verse 41. All right. Larry, you mind to read? Read 41 through 45, would you? Matthew 25. Bad as I hate to. The king turns left. My Bible says, if you read the NIV, it doesn't have this extra word in there, but my Bible says, then the king will also say. It's like he's been talking to this group. And then he will also say. I find that really intriguing word. That who knows if this group, here's what's going on over here. Now, who knows if this group is saying, hey, this is, gonna, this is getting really good. Or who knows if they feel the judgment already before the master turns. I don't know. But I know, you remember a while ago we said that he said two things to the ones on the right. He said, come, and he said, you're blessed. By the way, what do goats say? If sheep say, bah, what do goats say? They say, nah, nah, nah. Wonder, the idea here is, how long has this crew said, nah, to Jesus? Now, here's the issue. The king is going to turn left and to, when, when he was on the right, he said, come, you're blessed. But he will also turn to the left. In this group, he's going to say, depart. There's no come. There's no beckoning. There's a depart. Now, I don't need to really unpack this because it's just in there. 
He tells them where they're departing to, and it's not a good place. Okay? You can argue with me all you want about is there a heaven and is there a hell, but the Son of Man thinks there is one. And so he says to them, depart. The goats on the left are told to depart. It would appear that this other group has failed in all of the areas of compassion uh, with which the other one excelled. There's the same means of assessment and judgment, but an opposite verdict. Notice in his uh, pronouncement here, in verse 42 and 43, he says, nothing, nothing. You did not. You did you gave me nothing. You, you fed me nothing. You gave me nothing. You did not. You did not. You did not. Four times he says you did not. It's the same assessment. It's the same. It's not, okay, wait a minute. You didn't, you didn't judge this right. You know? They failed in the same areas of compassion that the others did well in. Could it be, this is just my question here. Could it be? That in 44, when they say, hey, when did we do that? By the way, is there a school? Do they teach you? Somebody who knows more about this than I do. Is there a school in the NBA? Do they spend lots of time in practice on teaching the flop? All these guys are really good at the flop. Have you noticed that? You know, I mean, I'm thinking, I wouldn't want to do that for fear I would bang my head or hurt my backside falling on the court. But they all are really good at the flop. Now, if you don't know what the flop is, look it up. You'll kind of figure it out. It's when I get caught, you know, uh, somebody runs into me or I run into somebody else and I fall on the ground. So it looks like I've been fouled instead of I'm committing the foul. When did we not take care of you? A flop. And the question the king then says here. Ah, interesting. Could it be that those on the left are just too self-absorbed to see the need? We didn't see anybody. There wasn't anybody that needed help. What are you talking about? Sherman? Okay, wait your, wait your next sentence, all right? Uh, ask my favorite Missourian. He'll explain that all to you. He's even got scripture about that, Sherman. We're not bringing it up now, but he would be happy to tell you where it says. The, anyway. Not going there. Not going there. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of that deal. Turn right and go straight. There you go. So in verse 45, the same standard is used again for the cursed that was used for the blessed. They, they literally, though, they question the king. Wait a minute, Lord, when did we? Do you know that kings don't need food and water given to them? They don't really need to be clothed. That's all kind of take care of. So he makes it really personal as he did before. And he says, you didn't take care of people. 
Again, the same standard. You did not do the right thing. And I think this is a heart issue. I think this is a heart issue. I don't think it's about what they did and did not do. I think it's about what there was in their heart to do and not to do. So, here's the point. God notices what we do and what we don't do. This is not about, okay, follow me here. I'm not attacking anybody's group here. Okay, here we go. This is not about walking an aisle. It's not being about being baptized in the Jordan or checking any other box. It's about serving the Lord today by serving somebody with skin on. In compassionate acts to those who are around you. I don't want to get to the point when I get there of the Lord saying, uh, you know, why didn't you take care of Joe? I don't want to hear that. So, let me fill in your last blank. You're going to, okay, I'll get all kinds of email about this and you'll brand me a heretic after this. So, this may be my last time to teach, but here we go. If you notice verse 46, it kind of ends it up with saying, these will go away. He's talking about those on the left. These will go into way into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. What I wonder about this, and I read this statement this week, and it, it, I kind of let it ruminate all week, kind of let it marinate. I, I think we should be not be so worried about our final destiny as we may be. I think rather we ought to be concerned about serving today. I, I think if I'm, if, if I'm addressing that, then my final destiny will be okay. Uh, literally, guys, you've got to know it, that when I see you, I see the Lord turning right because I know you and I know what you do and saying, come, come on, come on. You are blessed. Paul, you and I talked about it before class. It's a pretty easy crew to teach because they're with you. And I know, because I watch you, I hear from you, uh, you tell me about people who have needs all the time. I know you're involved in the needs of people. And so, I know you haven't said to the Lord at any point, nah. You've said, count me in. You've said it. I love this picture. I hope you got it. I hope I did it half justice today. Um, next week, we're going to start a new little series, and I'll be probably three or four weeks in Luke 14. So you may want to steep yourself in that one a little bit. Sherry, you asked me early in the in the our time. Yeah. No, talk about, we need cooks, right? glad you're better. All right. I'll see you next Sunday. Have a great Sunday.